You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're locked into the FCS Fever Podcast, where we turn up the heat on FCS football, available wherever you get your podcasts. The FCS Fever Podcast is presented by Betfred Sports and part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. Glad you're with us. I'm Chris Sylvester, and this is our Week 9 preview show. Plenty more great matchups on the docket around the country in the FCS. Final weekend of October Many teams already out of playoff contention. Some are hanging around and needing to play their best ball this weekend and beyond. We've got a special guest jumping on this episode. It's Chattanooga's star running back, Alim Ford, closing in on 3,000 career rushing yards. He has helped the mocks to many top 10 rankings, depending on what poll you look at in the FCS. They've got another tough so contest this weekend at Furman. That's a top 25 showdown among others. Big Sky. They've got some Saturday spectaculars this weekend. Idaho Sac State will play in Sacramento. Neither has lost the conference game yet. That'll change by the end of the weekend. Montana. How are the Grizzlies feeling off back-to-back -back losses? They head to Ogden to face one loss Weber State. Fresh off a frustrating weekend in Bozeman. More good football in the CAA. Red Hot Rhode Island visits William & Mary. Elon going to try to bounce back the Phoenix. They're a really good football team, but they've lost two straight. They go to Delaware, whose lone loss was at William & Mary just a few weeks ago. So much to get to. We'll see what matchups crack our FCS Fever Top 5 hottest matchups of the weekend. But before we dive into the frenzy of it all, we'd again like to remind you that the FCS Fever Podcast is presented by Betfred Sports. When you play in the Betfred Sportsbook, no one gives out more free bonuses than Betfred. The more you bet, the bigger the bonus. The good news, they'll be putting out lines for FCS games all season long, committed to being the best book anywhere for fans of FCS football. Betfred, one of Europe's biggest sportsbooks, started in 1967 by Fred Dunn, now in the U.S., and they've hit the market in a big way. Official betting partner of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, Cincinnati Bengals currently licensed in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Louisiana, and Washington. Soon, Ohio. So sign up today. Place a $50 bet this weekend. Throw down some FCS football. Betfred will give you a bonus $250 for betting. 
That's the Betfred guarantee. Nobody does more for their betters than Betfred Sports. I'll be honest. I, I think this slate that we have this weekend might be the best FCS on FCS slate we've had all year. Obviously, I, I get really excited about the FCS-FBS matchups that we get in early September, some of them that sneak under the radar in early October. But, but this is where things are really starting to take shape in conference races, teams that are maybe looking on the outside in that could pick up a couple good resume wins this final month or so of the regular season and get to 7-4, and four, maybe sneak into the FCS playoffs and make some noise and upset a conference champion somewhere. But, but truly, when we do our top five hottest matchups to watch in the FCS every week when we preview the weekend that will be, it's pretty evident what matchups you have to put in there. And, and there were so many matchups. I want to say almost ten matchups that were worthy of the top five this weekend. And there are a lot of matchups outside of those ten that I think are really good matchups that FCS fans should pay attention to with the FCS playoffs about a month away. In the Northeast Conference, St. Francis, I think, is a team that nobody really wants to see opening weekend of the FCS playoffs. They're 5-2 and two overall. One of those losses, an FBS loss in, in which they were very close to picking up a victory early in the season. They're 4-0 and oh in conference play. They go to Sacred Heart this weekend. That'll kick at noon Eastern on Saturday, ESPN3. I think St. Francis out of Pennsylvania will roll in that game, but Sacred Heart has been pretty good to start conference play. It's not a good conference. It's a one-bid league right now. But I think St. Francis is kind of an outlier there. They're so much better than everybody else seemingly in that league. I'm interested to see how they fare on the road at Sacred Heart this weekend. Elsewhere across the FCS, Monmouth, they need a win. They're sitting at 4-4, four and four, had that brutal seven-overtime loss last weekend against Rhode Island. They host Towson in a game they absolutely must have. Same can be said for Nova. Villanova hosting Hampton this weekend. Nova's hanging around at 4-3 and three with a 2-2 two and two Colonial record. Hosting Hampton also at 4-3, and three, but Hampton has struggled against Colonial competition going 1-3. Richmond, uh, never easy at Maine. Maine has played better here in conference play, but I think the Spiders find a way to their sixth victory, currently sitting at 5-2. and two. Campbell, a chance to bounce back. I know they really wanted that one at Jackson State last week. They hung around for almost all four quarters. Uh, couldn't get it done against Coach Prime and company. They will try to bounce back. A good Big South matchup. Campbell at 4-3 and three overall. 2-0 and oh in the Big South. They head to North Carolina A&T, seemingly improving from the early weeks of the season. North Carolina A&T with an identical overall and conference record. I think that's going to be a good game this weekend. Gardner-Webb. Now, Gardner-Webb, we've talked at length about the brutal schedule that they've faced. And, and three FBS teams, three good efforts against FBS teams, two one-possession losses against two really good FBS teams. Like Coastal Carolina and Liberty are two of the best non-Power 5 teams in the FBS. And Gardner-Webb nearly had both of them. A four-point loss at Coastal in September and a couple of weeks ago a one-point loss at Liberty who then the following week blew the door off of BYU. And BYU had spent a good chunk of their season in the top 25 in the FBS. So right now in a shortened Big South there's only six teams Campbell, North Carolina, A&T, Gardner-Webb, all 2-0 in conference play. 
Gardner-Webb. They host Bryant this weekend. I, I think Gardner-Webb's going to take care of business. It's going to be interesting to see how things shape up from there because they've got a bye week the first weekend of November. And then I think the Big South is going to be decided. They go to Campbell the second weekend of November, and they host North Carolina A&T to wrap the regular season. There's a chance that that conference race gets really wacky down the stretch in the Big South. Here, here's another great game that was very worthy of our top five. It, it didn't quite make the cut. Eastern Kentucky now sitting at 4-3 and three overall. They visit Southeast Missouri State. I, I don't know if Southeast Missouri State has been given the love and the publicity that they deserve so far this season. Obviously, Eastern Kentucky grabbed the early season headlines when they had that wacky seven-overtime marathon win at Bowling Green and then rolled Charleston Southern the next week. Since then, they've been pedestrian at best. They lost on the road at Austin Peay, squandered a big halftime lead, a touchdown win at home against a rebuilding Southern Utah program, an eight-point loss against Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State, it feels strange not talking about them because they're transitioning up to the FBS, not eligible for the FCS playoffs this year, but they are getting better as you would expect them to. They had that bizarre early season loss against Northern Arizona. Sam Houston State is starting to play some really good football. That doesn't really matter in terms of where they rank amongst other FCS programs because they're not going to be in the playoffs next month, but they can sure as heck play spoiler with a lot of these teams in the A-Sun in 2022. Last time out, Eastern Kentucky, it's not the first time, but the second time this year that they played a game back and forth in the 50s. They beat North Alabama 56-53. Now they go to Southeast Missouri State, and Southeast Missouri State is one of the better teams that you might not know about that could make a deep run in the FCS playoffs this year. The Red Hawks are sitting at 6-1 and one overall. Their lone loss came at Iowa State week one, and they weren't beat up and bruised as much as that final score would have indicated back in week one. Obviously, they got a terrific week two win at Southern Illinois. Since then, they've reeled off victories against Nichols, Central Arkansas, Lindenwood, Tennessee Tech, Northwestern State. They blew the door off Northwestern State last week in Natch, 51-16. Now they've got Eastern Kentucky, followed by games at Tennessee State, at Illinois, Eastern Illinois, and at home against Murray State. They'll be favored the rest of the way, and they're in the driver's seat to at least share the OVC title with UT Martin. UT Martin at 4-3 and three overall, also 3-0 and oh in the conference. Tennessee State, we told you they'd be good. We told you they'd compete for an OVC title. They started 0-4. They've won three straight. By the way, one of those four losses for Tennessee State came against a Division II program, so you thought that was rock bottom for Tennessee State. They bounced back nicely. I think they'll have a chance. They'll have a crack at SEMO. I don't think SEMO's going to lose that game in a couple of weeks at Tennessee State. But first things first, SEMO, a team that could, could very well share the OVC title because they don't play UT Martin at all in the regular season, which could mean an extra bid for the OVC just based off the fact that somebody's going to get the automatic bid into the FCS playoffs. Southeast Missouri State, they certainly have the resume for an at-large, even if they do slip up, but a win over Eastern Kentucky would go a long way. If you're looking at it from Eastern Kentucky's standpoint, this is a team that was in the top 25 after the Bowling Green win. Walt Wells, their program, we, we talked with them earlier this season. They've been through a lot. Uh, this would be a huge resume win for them because it's not going to be an easy slate to the finish line. After Southeast Missouri State, which is a non-conference game for Eastern Kentucky, They've still got a test at home against Central Arkansas, a team that's 2-0 against conference competition. Then they go to Jacksonville State, 
Rich Rod and company, uh, much like Sam Houston State, transitioning right now, sitting at 2-0 and against A-Sun competition, 6-2 and overall. That's not going to be an easy game. And then Kennesaw State, a triple option offense, never easy, especially late in the year when you stop practice tackling as much uh, to wrap the season. So Eastern's got a gauntlet ahead, and I'm talking about Eastern Kentucky, not Eastern Washington for once. Eastern Washington well out of contention in late October, which is pretty strange to say. But that's a, that's a big-time matchup this weekend. I do like Southeast Missouri State to take care of business. Eastern Kentucky not playing their best football right now, but, boy, if they could flip the switch, that would be a big victory for them this weekend. We thought Jackson State's toughest test against an FCS opponent this year would be against Campbell last week. Jackson State was able to pull out a, a low-scoring victory. We thought that Jackson State, if they were to win that game, it wasn't going to be a track meet. It was going to be a slugfest, and sure enough, it was a 22-14 win over the Camels. But now perhaps a test in the SWAC, and I don't know if it's going to be a close game. I don't know if this is even worth mentioning, but Jackson State is headed on the road to face Southern. And remember what's interesting about the SWAC is that they've got a conference title game at the end of the season, something that other conferences in the FCS don't boast. So in the SWAC, you've got an East Division, you've got a West Division. This could be a preview this weekend between Jackson State and Southern at the SWAC title game. Southern in the West tied with Prairie View A&M at 3-1, against conference competition. Jackson State alone atop the East SWAC standings at 4-0 in the conference. This game will be in Jackson, Mississippi. I think Jackson State's going to be a heavy favorite. No surprise that Jackson State has been rolling. I mean, with the recruits they've been able to bring in, the portal additions they've been able to have, obviously the impact of Coach Prime, Deion Sanders at the helm there, and the luxury that Prairie View A&M has, if you're looking out of the West and rooting against Southern, which I'd imagine you would be if you're Prairie View A&M this weekend, you don't have Jackson State on the schedule. So this could be a game that foreshadows a conference championship or could just kind of knock Southern down. And Prairie View A&M, they don't see Southern either. So they could be in prime position. Prairie View A&M, you look at their upcoming schedule, Bethune, Alcorn State, then road games at Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Mississippi Valley State to close. They'll be favored pretty much the rest of the way. That's assured, but it'll be interesting to see if Southern can bring anything in terms of trying to compete with Jackson State in the SWAC this weekend. Elsewhere in the FCS, like I said, a lot of good matchups. Conference races are tightening up. Possibilities are becoming a little more apparent. I think the FCS official page even dropped a little bit of bracketology this week, and that always gets me excited, kind of previewing what could be ahead for FCS football. UIW, Incarnate Word, 7-1 and one overall. They're 2-1 in the Southland, the lone blemish at southeastern Louisiana. It's kind of been tough to figure out CELA, southeastern Louisiana, to this point because they've looked really good at times and they've looked not so good at times. Had a really good win last week over Rich Rod at Jacksonville State. UIW goes to Texas A&M Commerce. Now, I didn't know that we'd be mentioning Texas A&M Commerce much in their first Division I season. But sure enough, seven games in, they're 5-2 and two with a 3-0 and mark against the Southland. One of those wins on the road at southeastern Louisiana. Since then, they've beat up on McNeese on the road and hammered Houston Christian at home. Their two losses, a one-point defeat at Tennessee Tech and a 10-point loss against transitioning Sam Houston. 
They host UIW this weekend. I don't know if they're going to slow down Lindsey Scott, G.J. Kinney, and that explosive Cardinal offense, but I'll be interested to see if they can take that next step because I think this is a team, once they've finished their transition, I, I think this is a team that could be a powerhouse coming out of the Southland Conference and could be a team that we soon see in the FCS playoffs making noise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Elsewhere in the FCS, out of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, I'll be interested to see how North Dakota State responds. Coming off the bye week, coming off a disappointing second half where they squandered a two-touchdown lead at home against the nation's top team, South Dakota State. They welcome in upstart Illinois State. With an identical record, both teams at 5-2, and 3-1 and one in Missouri Valley Conference competition. Illinois State, they haven't quite faced the same slate as North Dakota State. They did lose at Wisconsin Week 1. Their other loss by five points against a really good Southern Illinois team. Since then, they've won games at Northern Iowa, eked one out against South Dakota, and a six-point win on the road at Indiana State. So the resume, pretty similar to what we've seen from North Dakota State. You can't really say that North Dakota State has any signature wins yet this year. And when you look at the losses, well, North Dakota State is a Power 5 loss. Illinois State has a Power 5 loss. North Dakota State has a close Missouri Valley loss against a ranked team, as does the other side. So I think this has a chance to be a good game. Look, if North Dakota State is to prove to me that they are true national title contenders and should be given that first weekend off of the FCS playoffs, with two weeks to prepare for this game, kind of mentally reset, get past South Dakota State, work out the kinks, you would hope that the Bison come out and absolutely dominate Illinois State this weekend. And that's not to take away anything from Illinois State. But if the Bison are who we thought they were at the start of the season and how some people still view them, I, I still see a lot of love for North Dakota State saying that this team's still going to rally, win a national championship, and, and look, History would tell us that that's a real possibility, having won nine of the last 11 FCS title games. But I worry about North Dakota State getting a bye through the first round of the FCS playoffs. And here's why. 
bracketology right now. They'll have them in the top eight. Sure you will. But how do you close this year if you're North Dakota State? I don't think it's a guarantee that they win these final four games. I don't know if it's a slam dunk that they beat the brakes off Illinois State. I'd like to see them beat the brakes off Illinois State to show me that they're a national title contender. But until that happens, until we see a truly dominant performance from this North Dakota State team, which we haven't seen since week two against North Carolina A&T, it's kind of hard to, to say that they are a consensus top eight team in the FCS. Good test for them. The fact that Illinois State is 5-2, and 3-1 and one in the Valley is really good for North Dakota State as they try to add on to a sloppy resume so far. Look, a two-point loss against South Dakota State with how good South Dakota State has looked against others, winning just about every other game by multiple possessions, it is not a bad loss, especially when you factor in how much North Dakota State dominated that first half of the Dakota marker game. But they still didn't win it. And as good as that first half was, the second half, was really, really bad for North Dakota State, on offense in particular. I'm interested to see how they do this week against Illinois State. I'm not worried about them at Western Illinois the following week. I'm a little worried about them going to Southern Illinois the second weekend of November. And North Dakota, I mean, North Dakota's in a precarious spot here at 4-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in the conference. They could be fighting for their playoff lives going to Fargo the final weekend of the season. And I don't think that game's going to be easy by any means for either side but look North Dakota State in a in a weird spot something they're not accustomed to this time of year in late October they've got two in the loss column neither are bad losses they need a good win and, and I think here's an opportunity against an Illinois State team that has been a lot better than people have expected I think this would be their best win of the season so far elsewhere in the Missouri Valley Northern Iowa they put an end to Missouri State's playoff hopes last week, had a great performance at home. After a five-game stretch in the Unidome, they hit the road. They go to Southern Illinois. Can Northern Iowa find a way to play its best football down the stretch? Southern Illinois, I thought it was one of the more shocking results from last weekend, losing on the road at South Dakota, but that's just how good the Missouri Valley Football Conference is. Southern Illinois now sitting at 5-3 and three overall, still very much in contention in the Missouri Valley, although they won't run into South Dakota State. We've mentioned how soft of a schedule South Dakota State has to the finish line. I expect nothing less than the Jackrabbits to go 8-0 in the conference, win the conference title outright, and probably be the number one overall seed come the FCS playoffs. But if you look at the schedule ahead for Southern Illinois, I don't know if they could afford two more losses. I know they got the FBS win, but the early season defeats against UIW, Southeastern Missouri State, this is where it hurts. They had an uncharacteristic slip-up last weekend against South Dakota. That is their worst loss of the season. UIW, SEMO, a couple of top 25 teams. Now they've got Northern Iowa at home. I think they'll take care of business here, but it's a Northern Iowa team coming off their best win of the season and trying to keep their slim playoff hopes alive. It's the Valley. Anything can happen. We saw it last weekend. Interested to see how Northern Iowa responds coming off of a high. Southern Illinois coming off of a disappointing loss. Southern Illinois, I don't think they can slip up this weekend because they've got a bye week to start November. Then they host North Dakota State, and then they go to Youngstown State, a team that's kind of hung around in the Missouri Valley this year. It is just a brutal stretch for a lot of these teams. Big Sky, Missouri Valley Conference, as you get towards this end of October, beginning of November phase of the season. By the way, if you're wondering, South Dakota State, they are at Indiana State 
this weekend. I know Indiana State gave NDSU a run for their money. Rather, South Dakota State hosting Indiana State this weekend. I do not expect that to be a close football game uh, in Brookings at Dana J. Dykehouse Stadium. Hey, here's a terrific matchup that, again, I mean, it, just so many good games this weekend that it didn't make our cut, uh, and it would have a couple of weeks ago. But Elon, with back-to-back -back losses, didn't play well at New Hampshire last weekend. They get a chance to bounce back at home. They get a chance to add to the resume at home as Delaware comes to the home of the Phoenix this weekend. I think this is going to be just a doozy of a football game, 3.30 Eastern kick. Unfortunately, with the CAA, all of these games are on flow sports. So nobody's watching. And it's a shame. I mean, probably worth the 30 bucks a month they charge you if the CAA is as good as we think it is this year. I think the CAA is terrific this year. I, I think these teams are starting to beat up on each other so much that there's going to be a really, really good football team left out of the postseason. And that's a shame. Elon has put themselves in an almost must-win scenario here. They can afford one more loss. They sit at 5-3 and three overall. And they do have a soft schedule to close it out. They've got Albany and Hampton. And then they've got a bye week to wrap the regular season. I think what Elon's been able to put on the resume so far with a win over Gardner-Webb, a team that we mentioned could win the Big South this year, handing William & Mary their lone loss to date, a win over Richmond. I mean, those are three really terrific resume wins. The Rhode Island loss on the road is not bad. The New Hampshire loss on the road is not bad, although I didn't think they played very well in that game at New Hampshire last week. And New Hampshire has been a big surprise sitting alone atop the CAA with a 5-0 and conference record. But I think opportunity knocks, and you got to take advantage of it if you're Elon this weekend. We've talked a lot about how Matt McKay is a proven winner. It ought to be strange for him to lose back-to-back -back football games. Look, Elon has been just nails at home this year. They beat Gardner-Webb, as we mentioned. They beat Richmond, a convincing win over Towson. Home cooking is what they need. On the other side, you've got Delaware. Delaware's lone loss at William & Mary, able to bounce back with a non-conference win, 38-7 over Morgan State. I think Delaware, as good as they come in the FCS this year, grabbed attention early, obviously, with that win at Navy, had a convincing 21-point shellacking of Rhode Island late in September. Tough to pick a winner here because Elon is reeling a little bit right now off the back-to-back -back losses, but it's hard for me to pick against Elon at home. Delaware's really good. I like Delaware a little bit in this game. I think the line's going to be nothing more than a field goal. I think the Blue Hens take care of business at Elon, and it pains me to pick against Elon at home. I think they're a really good football team. I think they are deserving of a postseason spot. I do think they'll win their final two games. I just don't know if they take care of business against Delaware this weekend. For Delaware, this is kind of like a prove-it game. I don't think Delaware is in any type of jeopardy of missing the postseason. They sit at 6-1 and one overall, 3-1 and one in conference play. You look at how they wrap their schedule. It's nothing easy as they host Monmouth, host Richmond, a couple of teams that would like to be in the postseason, and then they go to Nova. Who knows where Nova's going to be that final weekend of the regular season. But, but if you're Delaware and, and you're a team that really feels like you can get a top eight spot, get a bye through the first weekend of the FCS playoffs. This is a game you need to have because you had an opportunity to grab a road resume win at William & Mary, and you came up short. You lost by six points. Here's a chance to do it at Elon, hand them their third straight loss. Delaware's in a good spot, I think, especially if they win this game. That November schedule, though, for the Blue Hens 
is going to be anything but easy. Austin P. Our good friend Scotty Walden and company, they get back in action. Uh, they're very much alive when you look at the playoff picture. I think the ASUN is going to be another conference where there's so many good teams that they're going to beat up on each other, and a couple of really good football teams are going to get left out of the FCS playoff picture. Austin Pease at 5-2, and two, one of those losses against the FBS. They host Jacksonville State. Their other loss, a, a peculiar one, where they went to Central Arkansas and lost by 29 points. Since then, they bounced back with a win over Murray State. Now they get Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State, not in that conversation for the postseason because they're transitioning up. They're going to be in Conference USA next year, led by Rich Rodriguez. This is a great test for Austin Peay. Jacksonville State, they just lost to Southeastern Louisiana. I, I think Austin Peay will be tested as much as they've been tested all year, and that includes their Week 1 FBS narrow loss at Western Kentucky. And you look at the rest of the slate for Austin P. They've got to go to North Alabama, Kennesaw State, and then Alabama to wrap the year. I mean, 5-2, and two, it looks good. I think they'll be favored at Kennesaw State. I think that's going to be a really tough game going to North Alabama, obviously closing the year against Nick Saban and Tuscaloosa. Maybe a great test right before the postseason. Interesting timing for it. We know those SEC teams like the FCS games in late November. But I think this is this is close to the feeling of a must-win football game for Austin P against a really talented and loaded Jacksonville State team. Same can be said for North Dakota. And how about this for a, a late October non-conference matchup? North Dakota gets another home game. Obviously disappointed. They got off to a terrific start. First half lead. A big one at that against South Dakota State before the Jackrabbits came back. Wound up winning the game last week 49-35 inside the Allurus Center. Now Abilene Christian comes to town. And, and here's the spot that North Dakota's in at 4-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in the Valley. They have no bad losses. They lost at Nebraska, lost at Southern Illinois, and lost to the top-ranked team in the FCS. But as the season has gone along, this North Dakota team may be missing good wins. Missouri State, at the time, that looked like a great win. Now that Missouri State is 0-4 in the Valley, 2-5 against the FCS, 2-5 uh, overall, should I say, with one of those losses against Arkansas. That, that doesn't really look like a good resume win. Neither does Youngstown State. That could change before the end of the year. Other wins against Northern Iowa and at Northern Arizona. I can't say that either of those are really good resume wins. Abilene Christian comes into town, a contender coming from the Western Athletic Conference. And, and if you're North Dakota, the road ahead gets no easier. You look at Abilene Christian and what they've been able to put together this year, a narrow loss at Missouri in week three and a three-point loss at Stephen F. Austin trying to fight their way back into the playoff picture. This is a, a teeter-totter game because neither of these teams, it appears, are going to win their conference. I know Abilene Christian is uh, two and one against conference competition. Not really sure how that A-Sun wax stuff shakes out. It'll be interesting to see. They do get another crack at Stephen F. Austin to wrap the regular season, a chance to make amends. But from here, after the game at North Dakota, they go to Tarleton, who looks pretty good at 5-2. and two. Sam Houston, we mentioned, they're playing better football. And then they've got to face a Stephen F. Austin team that had already beaten them earlier in the season. On the other side, 
for North Dakota. This is why North Dakota absolutely has to have this game. And I think they will have this game, but I think Abilene's going to be a, a terrific non-conference competition that's going to mirror what they see in the Missouri Valley. From here, North Dakota, they'll be favored at Indiana State, although that hasn't been easy for Missouri Valley teams to go there and, and win as Montana did, blowing the door off Indiana State early in the season. Then they host no South Dakota the second weekend, their final home game. And then, as we mentioned earlier, they go to North Dakota State. So that's another really good matchup. It's a non-conference matchup late in the year. I like North Dakota, but boy, if Abilene Christian is going to sneak into the postseason, what a resume win that would be for the Wildcats to go to Grand Forks, go into that dome, and knock off the Fighting Hawks this weekend. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We haven't talked about them yet, so their matchup's going to surely land in our FCS Fever Top 5 Hottest Matchups of the Weekend. But before we hear that sound and get right to it, we'd like to welcome in our special guest. Uh, well, well, hey, the SoCon stack this year, and joining me on FCS Fever, a superstar running back from the conference, Chattanooga's Alim Ford, has taken some time out of his firm and prep this week to join us. Alim, appreciate you jumping on, man. How much confidence do you and your teammates have right now with this top 10 ranking and fresh off a convincing win over a really good Mercer football team last weekend? We're very confident. Like I said, we're 6-1, and one, firm is 6-2. and two. Um, it's, it's definitely an honor playing with a team like this. We work hard all summer to get where we are, and it's definitely coming into fruition. Well, Alim Ford, not only one of the better running backs in the FCS, but all of college football. I mean, he almost ran for 100 yards against a top 25 FBS defense in Illinois. And I, I know that's a game in which you guys feel like you squandered a couple of red zone opportunities. That's the only loss uh, for your ball club so far this year. And, and looking at your resume, you're, you're closing in on 3,000 career rushing yards. You've been over 100 rushing yards in three straight games. Uh, what did you work on in the offseason season? Coming back from a 6-5 and five campaign a year ago where you guys were so close to the FCS playoffs but, but just missed it by a game or so, it looks like you guys as a team are, are playing with a chip on your shoulder here in 2022. Most definitely. I feel like we were very close last year. This year, we're definitely working off what we had, and we feel like we really got it this year. And During the offseason, I've been working on my speed, my agility, and just learning the whole offense. And I believe that helped improve my game. Alim Ford is our guest. He's a superstar running back out of the SoCon, plays for the Chattanooga Mocs, who are in the top 10 most FCS polls you look at. So 
Alim, th this Chattanooga program, you guys haven't been to the postseason since 2016. Obviously, you you've positioned yourselves nicely here uh, to take care of business, control your own destiny the rest of the way, albeit against a tough conference slate coming up between now and the end of the regular season. Uh, but what's the ceiling for this Chattanooga football team? Do, do you guys feel like this is a group that can compete for a national championship? We do feel like this is a group that can compete for a national championship. Our main goal right now is one week at a time, 1-0 and every week. We're, focus we're focused on Furman this week, and then we'll worry about the next game the next week. Yeah, you mentioned Furman. It's this weekend. You're going to Greenville, and you're from Florence, South Carolina, so a chance to play in your home state. It's another top 25 opponent. You mentioned Furman is 6-2. and two. Uh, You had to grind out a 13-3 win over those guys last year. What type of game plan do you think that defense will have for you and your teammates to try and slow that offense down? I feel like they'll bring more guys in the box. Um, I feel like that'll be hard to do this year because we got a lot of guys that can make plays downfield as far as wide receivers. So it'll, it'll be very interesting at what they bring to the table this Saturday. You have a lot of friends and family that are going to make the, the trip. I know Florence is, is a few hours away from Greenville, but how special is it to, to get a chance to put on for your home state? It's always an honor to play back at home. Uh, I really enjoy playing Wofford games. They always come down to see me. So it'll definitely be an exciting experience. Well, you've been in Chattanooga a few years now. What are some of your favorite things to do outside of football there in Chattanooga? Because from what I've heard, I haven't been there personally, but a lot, lot of good food out there near, near the home of the Mocs. Yeah, there's a lot of good food. We got Champies. We got Mr. Burrito. We got a lot of healthy options around. And it's, it's just a beautiful scene in Chattanooga. You can go hiking. You can go to the Tennessee River. You can go to the bridge. There's definitely a lot of things to do in Chattanooga. And that's one of the major things I really enjoy about being here. I mean, it sounds like a recruiting pitch in itself. Alim Ford, Chattanooga running back, thanks so much for your time. Where can FCS fans follow you on social media, keep up with your career and the Chattanooga season? So you can follow me on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is L-I-M-F-O-R-D is a beast at gmail.com. Gmail um, and my Instagram is a.40rd. There it is, Alim Ford, Chattanooga football. Thanks so much. Good luck this weekend. Keep up the great work. All right, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Have a good one. Good stuff from Chattanooga running back Alim Ford. Built Ford tough. I mean, that's got to be something that's been thrown around around the Mox program since that guy's been there. He was a freshman All-American two years ago, sophomore All-American last year. I think we could just give him the outright All-American honors this year with what he's been able to do. Chattanooga, they've been a wagon so far. That lone loss we mentioned against Illinois. Turns out Illinois is a lot better than we thought when Chattanooga faced off against them in late September. All right, there it is. That's the sound. It's time for the FCS Fever. Top five hottest matchups of the weekend. Week nine, kind of hard to believe. We're almost to the month of November, which is the start of the FCS playoffs. We'll start with number five in the big sky. It, look, these were extremely difficult to rank. I think you could have flip-flopped them in any order, and it would have been good enough. But I'm talking about a matchup between Idaho on the road headed to Sacramento State this weekend. Now, Idaho, they've been a terrific surprise story under first-year head coach Jason Eck, 5-2 and two overall, 4-0 and oh in the big sky. 
and they've impressed. I mean, their two losses against FBS competition, Washington State, Indiana, to start the year, and obviously the big resume win that got everybody talking about Idaho was a couple of weeks ago on the road at Montana in Missoula. Since then, they beat the doors off of Portland State. I know that's been a popular saying on this episode, but I mean, 56-21 all over a Viking team that was tied with Idaho inside the Kibbe Dome at halftime. Idaho, who would have thought here? Last weekend of October, it's a three-way tie atop the Big Sky. That won't be the case because they face Sacramento State this weekend, but at the moment, Montana State, Sac State, Idaho, nothing in the loss column, everything in the win column against conference competition. Look, Sacramento State, they were pushed last weekend against Montana and pushed by the Grizzlies without Lucas Johnson, their starting quarterback in there, much of the game. I, I Look, I talked about it on our recap show earlier this week. I thought it was just a spectacular game plan that Bobby Houck and company had going into Sacramento State. They forced Jack Dunaway to take the majority of the snaps in the second half of that game. O'Hara came in with a big game-tying touchdown run late, and then obviously what wound up being the game-winning touchdown in overtime against Montana last week. Idaho, look, it, it's going to be tough for Idaho to win this football game on the road, but this is an Idaho team. They believe they've got the firepower on offense. They've got the young freshman quarterback who is just – made a name for himself, Giovanni McCoy. He's a California kid from Baldwin Hills. Over 1,600 yards, 16 touchdowns, three interceptions. I'm a big fan of Sac State's defense, led by Marte Mapu. Brock Mather's been really good on that defense as well. They've got a veteran secondary led by Prince Washington, who's like a sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth year senior. Look, Sac State's defense is going to be tough. I don't know if Idaho's going to be able to put up the numbers that they did against Portland State, like we've seen them do against other teams in the big sky early in the season. That being said, we saw how good Montana's defense played against such an unbeatable, it felt like, Sacramento State offense last week. And remember, it was Idaho going on the road, able to kind of expose that Montana defense a couple weeks ago. Now, there's a human aspect to this. One would think that maybe Montana overlooked Idaho a little bit a couple weeks ago and maybe looking ahead to Sac State. Certainly, Montana felt like they did everything they could, certainly felt like they got jobbed by the officials a little bit in that game at Sac State and came up short. I'm interested to see how Sac State responds because everything was smooth and, and dare I say, easy for Sac State off to a 6-0 start. They didn't trail, and in game number seven, they trailed for much of it, but they still found a way to win. Good teams find ways to win football games. I think this is going to be a lot better of a game than maybe the opening line will be when we get it. I think Sac State does win, but I think Idaho hangs around. And, and even with a loss here, I think Idaho is in great shape moving forward to get into the postseason. From here, they've got home games against Eastern Washington and UC Davis, and then they close with the Battle of the Domes at Idaho State. I think they'll be favored down the stretch. This is probably the last regular season game Idaho is going to be an underdog in. Give me Sac State here, but I think Idaho competes. I think it's a one-possession game somewhere in the second half. I don't think Sac State ever really pulls away in this game. I think Idaho has the firepower on offense to hang around, but boy, if Sac State does beat the brakes off of Idaho, I think Sac State's kind of back in that one-two seed conversation, at least in my mind, because you get that win against Montana, albeit with the backup quarterback Chris Brown in there much of the game last week. But now you beat Idaho, and Idaho's looked as good as anybody out west in the FCS this year. Things are going to get interesting for Sac State going to November because the competition starts to heat up for the Hornets as well. I mean, they're sitting at 7-0, and 4-0 in the big sky, but this is a brutal stretch. It started with Montana last week. They've got Idaho at home this week. Then they go on the road. 
Weber State, opening weekend of November. High noon game out in the mountain time zone. I think that's going to be extremely tough for Sac State. I think if there's a defense that can figure out Troy Taylor's 2QB system, it is Jay Hill and his guys at Weber State. We've seen it time and time again. They've slowed down the best offenses that we've seen at this level. And Sac State certainly has one of them. Cameron Scadaboo is just ridiculous coming out of the backfield. He's tough. He can catch the ball. He can beat you in so many different ways. Again, give me Sac State against Idaho this weekend. But I think Idaho is for real, and I think Idaho is a team that nobody really wants to see come the end of November opening round of FCS playoffs. From the big sky out west in the Golden State, our number four matchup and our top five hottest to watch this weekend, taking you out to the Patriot League. And there are two really good teams in the Patriot League, two teams that I think are worthy of postseason conversations. Fordham at 6-1 and one overall, 2-0 and oh in the conference they head to Holy Cross, and the Crusaders have been hanging around the top 10 much of the year in large part to that Hail Mary Week 2 win at Buffalo. Since then, Holy Cross, they've only been tested a couple of times. They had a game at Harvard earlier this month. They won by nine points after kind of slugging around the first three quarters of that game, blew the door off of Bucknell, and now they go to Lafayette. And Lafayette wasn't easy last weekend. It was a 24-21 win for Holy Cross. They'll come home this weekend. Good teams, as we said, they find ways to win. Lafayette had a 21-17 lead early in the fourth quarter, but Matthew Sluka and company, Justin Shorter, caught the game-winning touchdown with four minutes left. Holy Cross's defense was able to hold. Lafayette's not been great. I mean, they're 2-5 and five this year, 1-1 one and one in the conference. On the other side, you have Tim DeMorat, who, outside of Lindsey Scott, has probably been the most accomplished quarterback in the FCS this year. The numbers he's put together through seven games, well, how about more than 3,000 yards, 33 touchdowns to just four interceptions. I worry about Holy Cross's defense. I know they're at home. I know they've found ways to win games. And look, their defense has ultimately been really good. But can they hold this Fordham offense and can they outpace and can they outrun this Fordham offense? When, what I mean by that is if you get into a track meet with Fordham, chances are you aren't going to beat them because other teams have tried to get into a track meet with Fordham, and it hasn't worked. Fordham's only loss this year was a touchdown loss at Ohio, an FBS team, and they had a fourth-quarter lead going into that game. Here are, are Fordham's offensive outputs this year. 48 points against Wagner. 52 at Monmouth, 48 against Albany, 52 against Ohio, 59 against Georgetown, 40 against Lehigh, and 45 most recently against Stony Brook. You look at the other side for Holy Cross, and they've got weapons on offense. They can score it as well as anybody out east in the FCS. They put 37 on an FBS Buffalo. But outside of that 57 nothing shellacking of Bucknell, they haven't crossed the 40-point barrier yet this year. I'm not saying that they can't do it against Fordham because Fordham's defense at times has looked spotty. But, man, I think this is going to be a really tough game for Holy Cross. I think Tim DeMorat and company, they actually go to Holy Cross. They find a way to get it done. They hand the Crusaders their first loss of the season. That certainly maybe shakes up the top 10, top 15 in the FCS. But I think Fordham is a legitimate, deep-run potential type of team in the FCS playoffs this year. This would be a massive win for them because you tack on this win and all of a sudden Fordham has a nice resume win. The loss obviously isn't bad against an FBS and Fordham should be favored the rest of the way. And this would pretty much wrap up the Patriot League title. 
because I don't see Fordham and Holy Cross losing again after this week. Now, we saw the near slip up at Lafayette for Holy Cross last week. There's a chance that somebody picks one of these teams off. Maybe it's Colgate. Maybe it's Lehigh. Probably not, though. Uh, this is ultimately the de facto Patriot League championship game. Holy Cross, see if they can hang on for another week and stay perfect. But I think Fordham's offense is going to be a little too much. All right, number three, we head to the SoCon. We head to Greenville, South Carolina. You knew this matchup would be in the top five. We haven't talked about it yet. We talked to Alim Ford, the mock starting tailback, earlier in the show. And here's Chattanooga with another tough opponent on the other end in SoCon play. And the SoCon, let me tell you, Kevin Marshall told you when he came on here earlier this year, I think this is a, a league that, that deserves maybe four bids into the FCS playoffs. Whether or not that actually happens kind of depends on how November shakes out. But as it stands right now, the SoCon standings, it's Chattanooga at 4-0, Samford at 4-0, then Furman at 4-1, Mercer at 4-1. If Furman can pull it off this weekend, it just creates a, an absolute mess and, and uh, just a, a mass of humanity atop the SoCon standings going down the stretch of the season because you've got four teams that have a combined two losses. And you look at the road ahead for Chattanooga. They've got Furman on the road this weekend. They've got Citadel on the road the first weekend of November. And then they host Samford in a game that very well could decide the SoCon title. A lot of football to be played between now and then. Then they go to Western Carolina. At times, Western Carolina, the Catamounts, have looked like a formidable opponent this season. I'll be honest, I was surprised at how well Chattanooga played against Mercer this past weekend. I think Chattanooga's defense is one of the top defenses in the FCS. And I think that's going to make the difference this weekend. I think the fact that they can kind of pound you with the running game and Alim Ford and what he's been able to do more than 800 yards this season, eight touchdowns, he's playing some of his best ball. And, and I'll be honest, look, I didn't think Preston Hutchinson looked very good at all against Illinois. Turns out Illinois, as we said, one of the top FBS defenses. And I don't think there's any shame in that. Preston Hutchinson, an ex-FBS quarterback himself, he's been just good enough in that system. Over 1,600 yards, 62% of his passes complete, 11 touchdowns to five picks. He's played very well. I mean, he, he's been great. What more can you ask for from your signal caller, a guy that spent the last four seasons in the FBS at Eastern Michigan? He's one of the great transfer portal additions we've seen in the FCS this offseason. I like Chattanooga on the road here. I think Furman's a good football team. I think Furman kind of needs this one a little more than Chattanooga. But for Chattanooga, trying to get back to the postseason for the first time since 2016, but trying to do more than that, right? I mean, they're trying to win a conference title and trying to maybe sneak into that top eight to get a bye through the first round of the FCS playoffs. A win on the road at Furman this weekend will certainly go a long way for Chattanooga because Samford did it, and that's kind of been the difference so far in the standings in the SoCon. Can Chattanooga match Samford and kind of get to that game? with an undefeated conference record. That'll be interesting to see. Should be a really good one from Greenville, South Carolina this weekend. All right, number two, we're headed back west, Big Sky. And it's Montana on the road at Weber State. Now, a lot of the, the air and excitement, I think, has kind of been deflated from this matchup with what's transpired the last couple of weeks. Now, this was looking like a potential crash course for a couple of undefeated teams, kind of like what we have with Idaho and Sac State against conference competition. Weber State fresh off a, a bizarre loss, a, a disappointing loss, and, and quite honestly, surprising that they hung in there as long as they did. I mean, they had possession. They were driving deep in Montana State territory last week, down five points. A touchdown would have won it. Ty McPherson couldn't hold on to a Bronson Barron throw, and, and the, the Bobcats were able to get out of there 43-38. 
in front of their home fans in Bozeman with a win. An FCS record was set last weekend by Weber State. Four safeties on bad snaps from the long snapper to the punter. And it's so uncharacteristic for Weber State to make mistakes, but to, to set a record like that and essentially lose the game and beat themselves on the road at Montana State tells me everything I need to know about Weber State. If they don't beat themselves, they're probably not losing. I mean, I think that's how good Weber State is. James Madison, seemingly their FCS playoff kryptonite. Now in the FBS, I think Weber State has deep playoff run potential. Montana, on the other hand, how do you respond if you're Montana? Lucas Johnson, their quarterback, got knocked out early against Sac State. I'm a full believer. I think Lucas Johnson stays in the game. I think Montana wins that football game. And there, I think there's a chance they win it by a couple of possessions at Sac State. I thought Chris Brown came in, did a good job. I don't think he played poorly by any means. He made on-target throws. The offensive play calling put him in a position to succeed, put that running game in a position to succeed. You just wonder that the toll of taking back-to-back -back losses here, I, I think this is a really good Montana team. I think between now and the end of the regular season, they're going to be able to bounce back. But here's the thing. I think Weber State's favored in this game. I think Weber State wins this game. But where does that put Montana? I mean, where does that put the Grizzlies? Because here's the, the, the reality of where Montana's going to be at if they lose this football game at Weber State this weekend, which I think they will. They host Cal Poly first weekend of November. They host Eastern Washington the second weekend of November. And then they go to Montana State. That, that's the remainder of the schedule for Montana after heading to Ogden this weekend. So, look, I mean, they really need this one. I, I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do it. This would be huge for them. This would change the trajectory of their season. But let's say they lose at Weber State. Take care of business against Cal Poly Eastern Washington. Two games they'll be massively favored in at home. Then they go to Montana State to wrap the regular year. You lose at Weber State. You lose at Montana State. You finish at 7-4. and four. Let, let, Let's look at this resume. You have wins against Northwestern State, South Dakota, Indiana State, Portland State, Idaho State, Cal Poly Eastern Washington. Where, where, where's the good win? I mean, I guess the South Dakota State win looks a little bit better after South Dakota State took down Southern Illinois. I, I guess blowing out Indiana State, who's, who's made it tough on teams like North Dakota State at their place later in the season, looks kind of good. And, and I know this is a, a big brand in the FCS. They're not going to get a bye. So you get a home game maybe if you're Montana. I don't know. Are you deserving of a home game? Are you deserving of a playoff bid? Montana can change the whole notion with a win this weekend at Weber State. I, I just don't think they do it. And at seven and four, potentially, obviously, everything could change. You, you finish at eight and three, and and this is your last loss of the season. You beat Montana State on the road, which I think Montana, a healthy Montana team, would be capable of. But man, I mean, they're not going to be favored at Montana State. They're not going to be favored this weekend at Weber State. The road ahead. Not looking as clear for the Grizzlies. That's probably why it stings so much losing that game at Sac State in the way they did. Number two matchup. See if Montana comes to play in Ogden this weekend. All right, wrapping it up. Number one, number one. I know they're going to start saying that I have colonial bias. I promise you, I'm out west. I'm a big sky guy. But the colonial has brought so much parity and so much fun towards the top of the conference this year that 
it's just hard to ignore the great matchups. And we, we felt really bad leaving Elon and Delaware out of the mix. Delaware going to Elon this week. We broke it down briefly earlier. But our top matchup in the FCS this week, Rhode Island goes to William & Mary. William & Mary, so close to being 7-0. and Remember, they squandered that big second-half lead at home against Elon earlier in the season. On the other side, Rhode Island is playing its best football of the season right now. The Rams are 5-2 and two with losses against Delaware in their conference opener. That was late September, and then they lost at Pitt. Since then, a convincing win against Brown a touchdown triumph over Elon, and a ridiculous seven-overtime win over Monmouth. Is Rhode Island going to be a little gassed after going on the road and winning that marathon game at Monmouth? Yes. But they're playing their best football of the season right now, and I don't think this is going to be any type of walk in the park for William and & Mary. And, and William and & Mary on the other end, great win a couple weeks ago against Delaware, got it done on the road, 20-point win against Towson. Mike London has this program in as good a shape as it's been in, in recent memory. Remember, they got it started with the FBS win at Charlotte, 17-point win way back in week one. Since then, they've beaten Campbell. How good does that Lafayette win look now? 34-7 on the road at Lafayette, considering Holy Cross got out of there with the field goal win last week. Look, teams get better. Teams change. Guys get healthier. Coaches make adjustments. It's kind of not fair to compare a head-to-head matchup in late September compared to a head-to-head matchup in late October. I think William & Mary, in, in prime position, they don't face New Hampshire, but should New Hampshire slip up, they've got a tough schedule down the stretch. They've got a bye week this weekend. We're going to hope to talk to Coach Santos on next weekend's show because New Hampshire's just been a terrific story out of the CAA. William & Mary, I think, still has a chance at a top-eight seed in the postseason. They'll earn it if they get it because they got Rhode Island at home this weekend and they go to Hampton, host Nova, and close the season at Richmond. But William and Mary, I, I think the complement of what they have on offense in addition to what they have on defense, I think this is as complete of a team as you'll find in the FCS right now. Give me the tribe here, but I don't think Rhode Island's going to make it easy on them. I really like the way Rhode Island's been playing of late. I think Rhode Island's going to find their way into the FCS playoffs. You look at the road ahead for the Rams, and we kind of already previewed it. It's not going to be easy at 5-2, and two, but, but should they lose this one, they can only afford one more loss. They'll have Maine at home, New Hampshire on the road, Albany at home to wrap the regular season. That New Hampshire game on the road, as Elon saw last weekend, and, and everybody's pretty much seen so far this weekend, that's not going to be easy. As it stands right now, I think there are six teams, maybe seven, in the CAA deserving of a playoff spot. How many of those teams actually get to the postseason? I want to say Delaware and William and Mary are, are kind of locks at this point. Maybe Richmond too, but Elon in dangerous territory at five and three overall. Does Nova have a late run in them at four and three overall? Can Monmouth run the table the rest of the way at four and four overall, two and three in the CAA? Monmouth's got a chance, right? I mean they host Towson this weekend, then they go to Delaware, and they host Stony Brook. I mean, that Delaware win would smack on the resume. Really help them potentially get a spot. CAA, man, I wouldn't be, want to be on that committee uh, when it comes FCS playoff time for this uh, 2022 field. I think it's going to be a lot of tough decisions. A lot of good teams are, are going to be watching that first round from the couch and not because uh, they're a top eight seed. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's edition of 
the FCS Fever Podcast, a recap show. Again, sponsored by Betfred Sports right here on the Aaron Torres Media Feed. We'll be back at you Monday, breaking down the weekend that was... Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.